The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Eric. Uh, Still trying to pick ourselves up off the floor. Yeah. You know, I've got something that will help you, though. Uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, Ander Christensen is, uh, he went to city council for you, oh, Eric. He went seen, to bat for you. I've seen And asked this. that restaurants remove the return boneless chicken wings from their menus. They're just chicken tenders, he says. Eric, he's thinking about you. And uh, he looks like one of the guys who's off the Beatles. Maybe 40 years older, but he uh, he's going to bat for you, Eric. <laughs> hey, we wish you the best, Andrew Christensen, and I no longer will have to say boneless chicken wings. I can call whoever and say, can I just get some chicken tenders? You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. That's a great video. People start laughing, and he turns around and he's like, excuse me, I'm trying to... And he's so... Yeah, dude, he's trying he's to like, be so hey, serious. Don't fend me. It's so funny. Um, I had to share that with some friends today. That was good stuff. <laughs> uh... Hey, Bowie, thanks for my pick six gift. That cookie was delicious. Where'd Did you, you like get, that? Yeah, where'd you get that from? Uh, Yeah, local cafe here in town. Dude, it was good. Yeah. I need to go cookie myself again. That was wonderful. Yeah, I'll let you know off the air. Okay, cool. Um, Eric, talking and venting about game seven in the first hour, feel better or feel worse? Because I still feel like crap. I'm not going to lie to you right now. Uh, <laughs> For our listeners who are just joining in, and welcome to the Full Court Press if you want to text in and share your feelings, let it out. It's a safe place, sort yep. of. Uh, 435-339-0321. Or if you want to call in and voice your frustration, you are more than welcome to. 435-752-1069. And again, text in at 435-339-0321. Better? Worse? I still feel like crap, to be honest. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Still feel down about it. Um, I know I'm going to get asked and people are going to want to talk to me about it. Yeah. More. And I have to resign myself to that. And you have to be so, like, courteous and nice and professional. You can't, like, scream and yell and cry. You have to be like, yeah, you know what? We, you know, they, they gave it their best. And you have to be so nice about it and cordial. And, oh, my goodness, it's it's been a rough 24, not even 24 hours yet. Um, yeah, we, we, looked, we looked at oh, some of the plays. The Jokic, I mean, where he's in the key for 10 seconds. And then decides to throw up a right hand prayer of a hook shot and it goes in like over Gobert. And he had also hit a floater too to to Mike Conley's last shot. And um, I mean, that ball was halfway in. That ball was ha- like it didn't like I was sad after the play happened. I was devastated after they slow mowed the ball going halfway in and then out. That was so I was brutal. sickened. So brutal. So it, it was a good look. Great look. I mean, the fact that they run, that Denver runs down there and chooses not to chew up clock. Yeah, to, to, to go, attempt a, and the fact that Craig misses it, attempt it's a, a layup. And it, when they were running down there and they go at the rim, I'm like, oh, it's over. Well, as soon as Donovan fell down, yeah. and lost the ball, it's, yep. like, it's over. It's over. And then to have that happen, then all of a sudden, oh, well, maybe there's hope. Connolly, oh. he's out running. Oh Connolly's got to look. It's for the win. <laughs> oh, I thought it was good. Like when it looked, I mean, and we we don't have a great view. I mean, we're looking at the TV screen, but even like when he let it go, I thought it was in. I thought it was money. That thing looked so freaking good, and then it just it, it halfway rims in and decides to pop out, and you see Donovan collapse to the floor, and you're devastated. You see Joe with his hands on his knees. Quinn's kind of just sombering off. And it's just... And you know what's interesting? Uh, listening to Quinn, Conley, and Mitchell, they all said the exact same thing. Most devastating loss of their career thus far. Uh, let's actually hear from Coach Snyder. Yeah, let's His comments after the game last night, after the Jazz lose by two oh, in wow. a really a defensive... Uh, game seven, guys were hitting the deck. Uh, it was more physical than we've seen in these playoffs. Uh, the Jazz come up just a little bit too short. Here is Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz head coach, following the loss last night. You know, th- this game tonight, um, you know, 
it's one of the toughest losses that I, I think that I've been involved with and got many levels with this team's been through um, since we were in Oklahoma City um, and you know the season was stopped what we went through over a period of months to have this group come back together here in Orlando and just to see um, the competitiveness um, the unselfishness uh, the team that really came together and grew and wish we would have had a chance to keep playing I think that's thing that hurts the most right now and congratulations Denver was terrific um, the way they competed too I thought both teams just competed but as far as our group goes um, this was a, a group that I think was an extreme privilege to coach and, and to be around over the past couple months and it's a, it's a unique a situation and one that I think we'll look back on with everything that's happened in our country with social justice with COVID see a group of players come together like that around such a difficult time uh, I think is something that, that I'll remember and is incredibly special. Okay thank you for that coach. Um, we'll go ahead now and get started. Um, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Quinn, uh, just given everything that you just mentioned, you know, given everything that this team has gone through and to then be on the verge of advancing to the second round and blowing a three to one series lead. What did you have to say to the team in the aftermath of this game when, when they came up just that much short? Yeah, I guess I would prefer not to say that we blew a three to one lead. I know that that's maybe semantics, but you know, the way that we competed tonight and you know, what's happened over the last, really the last week in particular, I'm just unbelievably proud of the way that we competed and you know, what, what I remember about tonight is, is we were dead in the water in the first half. Um, and we're playing well in a lot of ways. And, you know, our group just kept grinding and kept competing. And that's, to me, um, it's as significant as anything that happened in the game. All right, next question, David James, KUTV. Quinn, it looked like Donovan was getting going there offensively, but he had to guard Murray, too. Did that slow him down offensively a little bit? Did you make a concerted effort to get other guys involved? What happened there? Um, you know, I, I think the entire game was just such a competitive, hard-fought game that there, there was just nothing that was easy. Um, you know, we wanted to have different people guard Jamal. Um, obviously, he's had a terrific series and is a great player. And, um, you know, Royce was on him, Mike was on him, Donovan really, you know, at, at a certain point felt like he really wanted to guard him. And you know, we had other guys that could take some of the load offensively. Uh, and I, Donovan Mitchell has had you know, an incredible series on so many levels. And you know, tonight may not look like his best game of the series, but in many ways I felt like you know, his character came out uh, tonight as much as any other time because nothing, nothing was easy the entire game defended, you know, he attacked, and more than anything, he, he competed on a level that's unique. Next up, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, what was, what happened at halftime to make this, like you said, the team, it was dead in the water in the first half, and then it seemed like the mood and the attitude completely changed in the second. Well, you know, we were struggling offensively early in the game. They were trapping pick and roll, and their length um, and size was difficult for us to play against. And we missed some shots, um, but you know the, the floor was really uh, they shrunk the floor, so to speak. Uh, I think as we got closer to halftime, um, we found a little momentum trying to really just open the floor up yeah. and attack, whether it be just driving the ball in space or playing some small, small pick and roll. But, you know, we were in foul trouble in the first half too. So that, that knocked us back. But I, I thought at the end of the second quarter, you know, when Rudy was out with foul trouble, that, that group that, that, uh, that was in there and, and really as much as anything, Royce O'Neal, you know, the job that he guarded Murray, he guarded Jokic. Um, and during that time, I thought, you know, our team, you know, found life and that continued through halftime. We just knew it was going to be, you know, difficult. It's always hard to come back and particularly in a game seven, but 
we did find a little something as far as energy. We just kept playing. That was the biggest thing. All righty, uh, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, teams seem to have to take these lumps in their climbs to the playoffs. What, what did you learn from your team in this playoff series versus maybe what you had learned in years past? Well, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to compare you know, teams across different years. Um, this series obviously was, was different in, in many ways. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, speaking for this group, and it, it's something that you felt going in that this group had. It's a group with high character and competitiveness. And, you know, the, the game presents you with all kinds of challenges. Like I said, these past months, there's been, you know, even more things for, for everyone to try to absorb and process and then to compete. So, what, I mean, what I'll remember about this group and this experience is, you know, the fact I, I wish we would have won the game, obviously, but um, I think we can be unbelievably proud of the way that we competed. Okay, last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, uh, I know this is a tough question, just like coming minutes after a defeat, but where do you kind of go from here? Obviously, you know, we, we've talked so much about not having boy on and having to make adjustments. And have you thought at all about, you know, where you want the team to, what you want the team to look like going forward? Um. I think you answered the question for me. I, right now, I think everybody is emotionally spent. And, you know, we're going to try to deal with this loss, have, you know, a lot of gratitude for the opportunity that we've had here. Whatever, whatever's going to go on going forward, um, that's not something right now that, that I've given, given thought to. I'm sure they'll happen at some point, but right now, you know, I'm just I'm proud to have had the opportunity to coach this team. It's been a unique group. The way that the game went tonight, as hard fought as it was, was emblematic of what this year was like. Again, that's Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Utah Jazz. Uh, some of his comments following the loss uh, last night. You it's know, one I, of the hardest losses in his career, he said. You think about that, and he's had some hard ones. Um, he's had some game seven losses in his own career. He's had some tough losses in playoffs, and uh, sometimes. And in fact, I still remember Eric. I still remember my first year working with the Utah Jazz Radio Network as an engineer, and it was the media locker cleanout day. This was after Utah Jazz had played the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, at home, a win gets Utah into the playoffs with Quinn Snyder as the head coach. And uh, what do you know, uh, resurrecting Darren Williams scores 18 points in the first half. Nowitzki finishes with 37, and Dallas beats the Jazz to squeak into the playoffs and knock the Jazz out. And, I, and then the next night, uh, they needed Houston to lose to Sacramento. That didn't happen, and the Jazz were out. We're at Media Walker Cleanout. Dan, I think I've told this story before. And I'm the last one there. I'm cleaning up our stuff. And... Uh, it's Quinn and John Reinhardt, who at the time was the PR president for, for the Utah Jazz. Wonderful man. And Quinn gets done with us. And uh, again, it's just us three. John, Quinn, and me. And uh, I kind of stopped what I was doing and looked at Quinn. He was leaning over a rail, just staring like aimlessly into the distance. And John's talking to him like, hey... Get out of here. Go on vacation. Go spend some time with your kids. Um, I don't think he was married yet with his beautiful wife, Amy, yet. Um, but he said, go spend some time with your kids. Get out of here. Call me if you need anything, but I'm, we're not going to let any media talk to you. Um, I've eliminated all press coverage from you as well. So you're good to just have some freedom for a while. And then, call me, again, call me if you need anything. And Quinn didn't move. Quinn didn't look at him. Quinn didn't blink. You could tell how sick he was. Because he lost to Dallas in his first full year as a coach, Eric. His first full year, he lost to Dallas. Dirk Nowitzki, Rick Carlisle, and this veteran playoff team who had been there, done that. And he lost to him, and he was just so devastated by that. And this, I mean, this must have killed him. Like, that's amazing. Uh, 5763, I don't want to miss your text. 
uh, text it in. If you want to text in, you can do so at 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321. Or if you want to call in, 435-752-1069. He texted in 5763 does, and I love his point. It was hard to tell, but it almost looked like Donovan was ready at the three-point line. This is on the final play, Eric, for that last shot. Not sure if Rudy saw him. What's most disappointing is that it feels like the Jazz dominated the series, yet they lost. Does that make even make sense? Yes and yeah. no. Because yes, it makes sense that they dominated the series and still lost. But no, it doesn't make sense because how do you dominate games two, three, and four and then get just outclassed? And in the first five, half of seven? game five. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the first 24 minutes of game five they dominated. And then get outclassed the entire rest of the way. How does that happen? Because they even played them tight in game one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Overtime was great. Yeah, overtime game. I. Uh, it does make sense when it doesn't. Like I said, it. Um, what he's saying makes sense, but how does that happen doesn't. And I know Quinn used, I don't like to use the whole blue one or blue a 3-1 series lead, but that's exactly what happened. <laughs> what you happened. either say that or else you say you choked. It's one of those two, buddy. You, you, you got to pick it. That's the way it is when you have a 3-1 series lead. Up by 15 in game five, middle way through the third, and you lose. And then you lose game six, and then you lose game seven. And Which, by the way, um, you were getting routed in game seven for the first 24 minutes of basketball. Uh, it's frustrating, man. And uh, regarding the earlier point about Donovan Mitchell, Donovan didn't run down with the rest of the team on defense after yeah. he fumbled the ball. And... Uh, so he was lagging behind. But Plumlee and, was back there too. Uh, well, I don't know how far Plumlee, if, no. how much Plumlee stayed back with Donovan. I'm not sure on that. I'm, I haven't really seen a full full court yeah, view of the whole play. Yeah, a full court view of it, yeah. Um, but it did look like Donovan was standing at the three-point line with his arms raised, ready to receive the ball. But you know what? I, I don't fault that sequence and how it played out. Um, because, look, Rudy... Gets a rebound, which was unexpected. Quickly finds an outlet to Mike Connolly, who's a great ball handler and is fast. And Mike Connolly's just zooming down the court with his eyes on one thing, the game clock. Trying to make sure he can cover enough distance to get a good shot off, which he did. So, should he have looked for Donovan and found Donovan, who looked like he was wide open in the corner or in the in the side? Maybe, but you know what? I'm not going to put that on him because... As you've said, it looked like Plumlee could have been back there and maybe even playing free safety and could have picked that off. Do you know what really would have helped? Is that timeout that Royce had to waste because he got stuck in the he got stuck in the corner because oh he picked gosh. up his dribble. If he has that timeout available, Rudy catches the rebound. You know the Jazz, Joe Ingles, you got veterans on the team, smart enough to scream timeout. You've got a solid, what did they have, four seconds, give or About take? four seconds, three and a half, four seconds. Which gives you plenty of time to catch, set, Shoot based on where you're at. If you have that timeout and Quinn designs from an out of bounds play, and you're you're already advanced, boy. I mean, again, well, you say that, but they had a timeout yeah. to run an out of bounds play, and they messed it up. Yeah, they twice. messed it. Yeah, well, and Joe threw it in to Royce, and you can tell Quinn didn't want that. And Royce has to use a timeout. Quinn didn't want that. Um, dude, how does Dom not break loose of Harris? Was it that good a D, or was he like being held? I mean, for him, I think to, it like, was good D. And Donovan's legs were just not jello. Really there. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's legs were there by the end of that game, huh? Um, sickening, sickening to lose like that. Sickening to see Mike Conley, who went two of thirteen and has not won a game seven in his career, now zero four. See a ball go halfway in and then halfway out. I just, I mean, all the way out. It just. It sucks. I hate basketball. I'm never watching the NBA ever again. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Eric, when we come back for break, we, you and I had a very venomous discussion um, that I feel like I was winning before Dan Patrick Wait, interrupted you. You had a what? We had a what discussion? A venomous discussion. A venomous. What's yeah, a venomous discussion? It's called like, so. Venomous means like intense. Um, a very loud, intense argument. Is that like venison? No, that's like deer meat, isn't it? <laughs> Is that venomous. what you're trying to say? We had a venison discussion? No, dude, that's meat. Now, deer meat's really good, by the way, if you cook it right. But venomous, Eric, is Are intense. you trying to say vehement? It's not even a word. I think you're trying to say vehement. That's not even... No, don't, Eric. That's not even a word, so stop it. <laughs> venomous is not a <laughs> yes, word. Yes, it is. Venomous discussion. 
You're lying to me. <laughs> You're lying to me. What was the discussion about? We'll move past that word. That- <laughs> it was well. I was talking about how we need to let go of Royce O'Neill, and I explained three good reasons why, and you denied all three good reasons. So I'm not sure where to put you here. None I would love to hear good. a listener's take on this, though. Yeah, looking at where do the Jazz go from here? Yes. Uh, we At the tail end of last hour, we kind of went through the roster to look at you know guys you keep, guys you let go, guys maybe you could use for trades to bring somebody else in. Uh, we'll, let's do that again quickly and uh, talk about Royce O'Neal specifically about why he absolutely needs to stay. Well, he doesn't... And why... Might as well keep well, George I. Nying. thinks he's worth that. Might, uh, might as well keep Tony Bradley. George Nyang is worth starting over Royce O'Neill. We'll talk about that next on Full Court Press. Horrible. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Royce O'Neal, does he have a future in a Jazz uniform, or should he be included in some kind of a trade to bring somebody else in to help Donovan Mitchell? 435-339-0321 on the text him, or 435-752-1069 to call him. Okay, so Eric, let's rehash what we've already kind of discussed um, in regards of who we're keeping um, in contract situation-wise. Mike Conley... Uh, has $34 million due next season. I agree. I, I think they should keep him. I believe you said this the same thing, right? Weird. Anyway. You can continue. All right, welcome back to the Full Court Press, <laughs> You Eric. can continue. When, you, when, when you're ready. I mean, yeah, if you're ready. Um, so let, let, let's go back to where we were at with, the, uh, with where the Utah Jazz team sits, contract situation, through the roster so far, Mike Conley is due $34 million next season. Keep him, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer. He's, they're paying him more than what he's worth to the team. Yes. But uh, I, I think that there's a real sense that Conley found his way with the team and was a significant asset to the team moving forward. I thought he played well just before the break. I thought he played well in the bubble. I thought he played well in the playoffs. Uh, I think he's a good addition. I think he takes pressure off Donovan in handling the ball. But ultimately, Donovan, his natural position will be as point guard. Uh, Rudy Gobert. Now, he's due $26 million next year. This is definitely like very possible on the rise. Uh, if he makes an All-NBA team, he will get a Supermax contract. Well, he's eligible for that. He's eligible one. You're crazy. He's going to get one. If he's eligible, he's going to get one. Um, that means it's... You're looking at about $220 million super with the Supermax. $220 million for the Stifle Tower. I think that's too much. What? For Gobert? I think he's worth paying a lot of money, but I don't know if he's worth Supermax money. Wow. Uh, okay, so here's what they can do. According to ESPN.com, okay, uh, in fact, he, in fact, uh, Bobby Marks, who wrote this article, agrees with you. Can I read it just quickly, get through a part? Gobert is one of the top def- defenders in the NBA and an important player. But the contract would average more than $51 million as he's eligible, Eric, for a five-year, $221 million Supermax contract. The Jazz should not, according to Bobby Marks, and likely will not, according to Bobby Marks, entertain the idea of extending him to a such contract. Um, again, right. Is he, is he Kevin Durant level? Is he no, Steph no, Curry nobody, level? Nobody's Steph Curry or Kevin Durant level. Well, that's the kind of money they're earning. They can offer Gobert a four-year, $133 million extension. The new contract would also include a total of $17.5 million in likely bonuses, $1.5 million in likely unlikely incentives, and the total will come out to $151 million, which is $10 million more than a team with cap space in 2021 can offer. 
Um, or they can offer him a hundred, a five-year, $189 million extension. Um, this is not a full super max. And the Jazz are permitted to start at 30% in the first year. Or again, all from the full super max, which again is $221 million. He is worth every single penny of that. Tell me, tell me, give me good reasons why he's not worthy of being paid $221 million based on what he does alone defensively. So uh, he's done pretty good at keeping himself healthy. But yeah. I always worry about a defensive first player uh, commanding that kind of money because we've seen it backfire too many times. Uh, ben Wallace with the Detroit Pistons. Yes. Andre Kirilenko with the Utah Jazz. Yes. Uh, those guys, defensive first guys, uh, they they put themselves in positions that they, they can get hurt, and they'll be hurt for a while. Um. I think that Rudy is definitely, absolutely a key contributor to Utah's defense. It is the heart and soul of Utah defensively. But I don't think he offensively is that to that same level. I think he's improved a lot. I think he is a big-time contributor to the offense. And certainly he has shown that in the reset and in the playoffs. But he was also going up against a really good center. And so that's it was easy for him to be involved and engaged. But when you show him up against the growing trend in the NBA to have more guards and playmakers on the floor, uh, he's not quite as effective. So I, I believe me, I would love to play to pay Rudy a lot of money. I just don't think he's worth super max money. For for the reason that the defensive or the injury prone, you know, the the uh, defensive players can be a little more injury prone, and uh, and I don't think he's that big of an impact offensively. He has a he has a good impact offensively, not a huge impact offensively, but also that hampers the team from being able to add additional pieces to help put a full team together, even a bench together. To help who are they going to get though? Honestly, who are they going to get? I mean, and and, Lots and, of guys and, out there. and the. the Quality productive guys, not George Nyang's, not Tony Bradley's, not Royce O'Neill's. Quality productive guys. Rudy Gobert, like you got, he anchors the defense. You look at how many times it was Mitchell, Ingles, Yang, Morgan. Hell, Eric. At one point, he was on the court with Juan Morgan, with George Nyang, Joe Ingles, and they were all getting toasted. And you know what? Rudy Gobert was having to. To pick up for their trash the whole entire night. That's what he does, and off and and the whole like, well, he get. I mean, they're off to get hurt or whatever. Don't give Donovan Mitchell the full contract extension because he could get hurt. By the way, he could get hurt. He could tear his ACL and be done. Every player- guys guys who are defense first guys, they run up into more injuries. Draymond Green is injured more often than Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. No, he's not. Not more than Steph Curry. Steph Curry gets more more hurt than Draymond Green. Steph Curry has had ankle problems for quite some time. So, but I mean, if you want to put Andrew Bogut on that list, absolutely. Greg Oden, yes. But Rudy Gobert, for the most part, has stayed healthy. And again, a back-to-back defensive player of the year and a guy who probably should have finished second in the voting this year and didn't because of um, Anthony Davis, because of popularity, the fact that he's in L.A., the guy's worth two hundred twenty-one freaking million bucks, and if not, they better a have a dang good reason why, and b pay him at least one hundred eighty-nine. But in in a few years, you'll have a situation where you could have both Donovan and Rudy at supermax contracts. You're gonna tie up your uh, a big significant portion of your con- of your salary availability on just those two guys. That's in a few years. We don't know what a few years is going to look like. We don't know if Rudy's going. We don't know if uh, Don. Well, as a GM, you have to plan. You have to look down the road. That's why you put these contracts together. You look. You at need the, flexibility. You there's there's never been flexibility with Utah and rosters because it's Salt Lake City. There's never been flexibility with that, and there never will be. You need and and, and the roster is going to be as it like. You're not going to see major names come into the into Utah and say, "I want to play for you." Why not? 
We Boyan came. It's no, a, that's a dude, big name. I, Ed look, Davis came over. Jeff Green came Ed Davis over. Davis is a big name. He was a good player <laughs> in Brooklyn. He didn't work out in Utah. <laughs> but look, he was a big. Look, he was an impact player for Joe Brooklyn. Johnson. Yes. Yeah. There's another one. George Hill. Yes. Okay, you're you're helping my point. Those were end of veteran people. George Hill is not in his prime. Was not in his prime when he came here. Joe Johnson was not in his prime when he came here. George Hill was in his prime. No, he was not. Absolutely. No, he was not. His prime was when he was with Indiana. His prime was not when he was in Utah. He was on the latter edges of his. I mean, of his career. And he kind of. I mean, really, now he is at the edge of his career. Now he's just playing for a title. Joe Johnson was the same thing. Rudy Gobert is a 189 or 221 million dollar guy. Anything less than that, I say no. It's an insult, and I leave. Uh, Nine three one five texts in. I think we need more big bodies on the floor like Rudy. It would have helped us less mismatches. Yes, absolutely. And Tony Bradley's too soft. Ed Davis was not productive at all whatsoever. Yeah, Ed Davis is a wash. Uh, so, Tony Bradley's young, and I think that he is a project, but I think he's improving. You think I don't a, think he's the future, but I think he's okay, a well, then that's the problem. serviceable so backup. Wait, so wait, are we going to just be like, hey, look, he's improving, so let's keep him, even though he's not the future? Like that's that's where we're at. Is if he's not the future, then what do we have him there for? Well, you keep Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal. They're not the future stars of the team, but you keep them and you develop them. No, because they're key contributors. Joe Ingles is a. There you go. Joe Ingles is a key contributor. Tony Bradley is not. Tony Bradley is not a contributor at all. At all. Period. Whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't belong on an NBA court. G League, yes. In fact, even when he's on the G League, he so wasn't. You're in your NBA world, either you come in right away uh and contribute and, and, and dominate your position, or you're not worthy of being on a roster. And Tony Bradley Utah Jazz he, no, have Tony to develop Bradley players. Even dominate They're not the in a G position to just position. He was throw money in, around. He was playing for the Jazz, and he wasn't even dominating in the G League for the Stars. He wasn't even the best player on the court in the G League at times. Not even the best player in his position on the court at times. A lot of times. But yet... I, for whatever reason, we have this obsession with him. Now, granted, Eric, w- w- one thing I like is that the fact that Derek Favors is available for a veteran minimum. I'm not sure where the veteran minimum is right now, but I know it's cheap enough that the Jazz could pay for him and not hit the luxury cap. Now, again, the Jazz are not a luxury cap penalty team. They don't like to be. But Dennis Lorenzi said before the season, I think he echoed it in the All-Star break. Oh, no, excuse me before or after free agency, that he said, if we need to hit the luxury penalty to get where we want to be, we'll do it. Uh, Derek Favors does have an expiring contract. He earned $17.6 million this year. Okay. Um. So what is it, So if he's on an expiring contract, what, what would be the NBA veteran minimum? Um, That would be... What is that, like $2 million? No, I think they'd have to pay Derek more than that. Yeah, because Other it's teams based on veteran. Isn't it based on like years of experience or something like that? And Derek has what nine, nine. So you're looking at around three million. I think would be the veteran minimum, three million. Yeah, based on years, uh, Derek favors. He's 29 years old. Okay, and I saw he came in what 2010 or nine uh, or ten. If you've been in the league. Nine years. Okay. It's uh, about $2.3 million. So, dude, you could sign him. So then what's 10 Somebody plus? would take him for more than that. So what's 10 plus then? 10 would be what? 2.5? 2.5. Dude, you sign him for $3 million and it doesn't touch you in the penalty. You say Derek, because you know Derek wants to be here. You know the camaraderie. What's that? Camaraderie. Thank you. Between Derek, Joe... Donovan, you know the love they have for each other. You know the relationship between Derek and Quinn Snyder and the staff. You know that Derek Favors can compete with this in the system defensively that Quinn Snyder set up because he's familiar with it and he has proven it. Even when Rudy Gobert was out, you could get Derek Favors for three million. That's five hundred thousand above what you should be getting paid, and 
and play him some good minutes, healthy minutes where he's not being over overwhelmed physically. And you still get product productivity out of him. You ship off Ed Davis. What was Ed Davis? Do you have his his salary? Yeah, what's he where's he at right now? Uh Ed Davis uh he earned about four point seven this year. He's set to earn five. Yeah. Next. Ship him out, pay your pay your two point four million or whatever you gotta pay it out and get rid of him. Or, or, or that, use him in a trade. Oh yeah, there you go. Well, I don't know who's gonna take him though. Maybe can you use him in a trade and get cash out of it and just say, Hey, will you just take the five million from us? And then you'll take care of the contract, or at least, the, I mean, and then we can save the money to pay Derek Favors. Use him in a trade to go find another 3 and D guy. That's where Royce needs help. Royce can be more effective if he knows that he can take a break and not always have to draw the best guy on the other team. Royce needs to go. No, he you doesn't. You need to trade Royce O'Neal. Trade Royce O'Neal. Where is he at right now contract-wise? Royce O'Neal is what, in his third year? Uh, to, uh, give or take. And he is drawing night in and night out the most dynamic player on the other team. And you know what? He got burnt all playoff long. And you know what? He actually got burnt during the last, what? He got burnt most of the bubble. What's his contract like? Uh, he's under contract through 2022-23 season. Holy fetch. Okay. With an option, non-guaranteed option in 23-24. So how much is it total? Is he nine? Or is he eight? Uh, he's earning one point six this year. Then it moves up to eight point five, eight point eight, nine point two, and then nine point five. Okay, the, okay. Uh, so you trade him and have someone else take the baggage of that contract. Th- that'll be straight up. If Royce is as good as you say, someone will take that and his baggage of money, and pay for it. You save a ton of money and a guy who is a liability offensively. And was okay defensively. Find me another 3 and D guy who can actually get the job done. Doesn't look like he's on ice skates. And, dude, case look. Royce looked horrible in games 5, 6, and 7 defensively. He looked bad. Like You kind of saw Royce get exposed for what he is. It was uncharacteristic for Royce. He's usually a really good defender. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but there are a lot of 3 and D guys out there I think the Jazz can get. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, John Morgan's a rookie, right? You might as well just keep him for the, what is it, $2 million or whatever? It's super he, cheap. Yeah. He's less than a million. Um, another question. George Ning. Do you know what he's at? Do you have numbers on him? He's got an expiring contract, uh, a non-guaranteed uh, contract for next year, but he's at 1.6. Get rid of him. Get Ship him. And the money. Get rid of George Ning. He ain't doing anything for you either. Emmanuel Moutier has an expiring contract. Uh, and then there's a bunch of guys who have non-guaranteed contracts for next year. Nigel William-Goss, Mie Oni, Juwan Morgan, and Rajon Tucker. Okay, so I keep Juwan Morgan. Rajon Tucker is kind of an interesting cat. I don't think he's been given the experience that he needs. I think he needs to stick around, as does... Uh, I'd, I'd keep Mie Oni, too. Yeah, i keep Yoni. And he's and he's not going to kill your bank either. I mean, again, those are so. What do you like uh, combine those guys? Are like what around seven million, give or take, combined? Which ones? Uh, Tucker, Morgan, and Oni. What it's, are they around seven? No, each one makes less than a million dollars. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah. Rajon Tucker made about half a million. Okay, pay all those cats. Yeah, what, <laughs> I mean, just pay them what they're what there is and. And and keep them here. I think they'll develop nicely. Get rid of Royce and the money. Get rid of George Yang and the money. Get rid of Ed and the money. That sets you up financially to get your 3D guy that you really want that will be productive and actually play defense. But yet, Eric, score offensively, which is what you're supposed to do on the offensive side. But if you get rid of Royce, you have no other 3D guy. That's where you work in like a guy like Juwan Morgan. Juwan oh, Morgan came along nicely. On. No, you can you absolutely can. Well, then let's keep Bradley and let's develop him. No, what happened no, to you no, can't develop players? You can- <laughs> Bradley has had his chances. You are spinning in no, circles, no, no, no. Bradley's Andre Salveson. had his chances, and he's absolutely gotten worse. And they're very pleased with him, how he's doing in his one year. They're not. They're, how are they, could they be pleased? Bradley can't even catch a bounce pass from Donovan Mitchell. And he's so soft defensively. 
Nothing good's coming out of him. Hey, do you pay Jordan? Okay, what was Jordan Clarkson at again? Clarkson has an expiring contract. It's oh. about $13.5 Pay him, right? I think you try to keep him. It depends what he's asking for now? I think it depends on what he asks for. What do you think he asks for? Can he ask for anything? Uh, I, I mean, look, the guy just got traded for from Cleveland. Similar. Uh, yeah. Because Donovan Mitchell's going to be available for $170 million five years. That's what his you rookie... you pay him more than Joe Ingles? Because Joe next year is going to get 10.8. Yeah, I pay more than Joe. Joe's not productive as Jordan Clarkson is. Uh, I disagree. Joe does oh, a lot of other things. Me. A what? lot of offense runs through Joe. He rebounds. He defends. He has assists. He defends? Really? <laughs> he does. Man, do you have some film on it? I'd love to see Joe defending. That'd be cool. He does defend. I would love to see Joe Ingles defend. That'd be awesome. Look, Joe's Joe's getting up there. He's tired. He's getting older. Jordan Clarkson's got bungees. He's got energy. I like Jordan Clarkson a little bit more than Joe now. If you would ask me two years ago, I'm taking Joe Ingles. Now, Jordan Clarkson. Now, Donovan Mitchell, again, reports are saying this is being confirmed by Chris Haynes. The Utah Jazz will offer a rookie max contract to Donovan Mitchell when free agency starts. Now, that won't begin till October, but Eric, that's five years, $170 million. You pay five years and $189 million to Rudy Gobert, and then you build around it. Jordan Clarkson, give me a 3 and D guy who's going to be helpful offensively. I like what the 3 and D thing. Helpful offensively, though. Uh, Juwan Morgan, Young, Jordan Clarkson, bench score. Uh, build around that. Get rid of Niang. Get rid of the baggage of Ed Davis, Tony Bradley, or just ship Tony Bradley to the G League and let him sit there and think about a second career option like McDonald's. <laughs> you're you're I, salty because they lost. No, take no, some I'm time salty to think because about I it. I want to see the team get better. You, because the team got but worse. But, Ajay, the Jazz as an organization, and most organizations, they draft young players, and they have to develop. They want to develop we those young, young players. We didn't go young in 2015-16. As they come into the league, there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve, Ajay. They're not going to come in and dominate. In those are top-tier players. In 2014-15, I believe it was, or 15-16, when we went to the playoffs and beat the Clippers in seven, we had Joe Johnson and George Hill. Two key guys. You know what? They were at the end of their careers. They are on the downhill. Young guys don't help. Most Some do, but most don't. Tony Bradley's not going to help you. George Yang's not going to help you. Ed Davis isn't going to help you. We figured that out already. We've seen proof of that with three guys. Jordan Clarkson, who's actually considered on getting onto the veteran side, helped us. Roy Sonu, I know he's in his third year, but offensively, he looks lost. Defensively, he is getting cooked by guys that he shouldn't be getting beat by. But you're not willing to pay. Okay, so what? You're willing to pay Royce O'Neill, but you're not going to pay Rudy Gobert $189 million just below the extension or the Supermax or even $221 million when he's bailed out Royce O'Neill time and time again? I said I would pay Rudy. I would not pay him the Superman. How much would you pay him between the between the options of 133 and 144 million, or is it 189? What is that per year? In five years, um, he's earning 26 and a half right now. Yeah, or excuse me, 25 right now. He's going to earn 26 and a half next year. Uh, geez, if you're going to give Donovan Mitchell 170 million in five years on a rookie max, you better be paying Gobert just a little bit more than that, considering what he's done. The other thing too, and we we need to move on, but the other thing to consider in all of this discussion is that there's a there's wide uncertainty throughout the NBA about what their financials are going to look like for the next several years. Yeah. So the the contracts the Luxury tax, the collective bargaining agreement, are probably all going to have to be adjusted significantly. Majorly. Yeah, majorly, absolutely. So, but again, I think you're in that you you don't know how long you're going to have Donovan. 
9315 with Ajay's logic as we need to Sam uh, we need to get Sam Merrill and then the Jazz are golden. Why are we why why would we keep developing the people we have or why can't we keep developing the people we have because some of those people haven't developed and they've been given opportunities. But when you have a really good starting five, those guys are not going to get many chances to develop with in a regular. We don't have a really good NBA starting situation. five. The Jazz don't have a good starting five. They were plus twenty four against Denver. Great against Denver, but what about in the regular anytime, season any, when Mike Conley was minus what? Anytime on any average? bench player came on with them, they were they were really bad. Okay, so wait, one bench player with the starting lineup makes it bad because Mike Conley wasn't good. Let's be honest. Bojan was great. For the first half of the season, maybe a little beyond the, the half, Mike Connolly did struggle. I'm absolutely going to agree with that. But he developed. He got into the system. He figured it out. He felt comfortable. And he was great. Joe Ingles, better off the bench or as a starter? With the current lineup that they have now, he's better starting. Really? Okay, so with Bojan back in the lineup, though, you would say what? Uh, with Boyan starting, I would probably have Royce the first guy off the bench. So Joe's still starting? Yes. Okay. Well, in that case, he's worth the $10 million or whatever it is. If he's coming off the bench, I pay him $8 mil. I, I I reduced the contract. Because when they had him I coming off the, the bench, he wasn't as effective. They so you, experimented with that through part so of wait, the year. So wait, what's your start with Mike Donovan... Bojan, Rudy, and who? And Joe. So Joe's starting. Hmm. And, and you, man, that's a, wow, okay. I don't know if that's a quality starting lineup. I think it depends on the matchup, too. You need what scores. Your looks like. You need scores coming off the bench. Yeah. And, you're, and, you, and you got one score, Jordan Clarkson. Royce O'Neal's not a score. He can. No, he can't. When his primary job isn't to defend. His primary job's always to defend. He's always to defend. When has it ever been not to defend? When has it ever been That's like, what they hey, call a Royce, three and D. we need 20 points from you. Here we go, buddy. Let's do it. It's, you can pop the three, that. but you got the primary defensive assignment. He, it's never been the case. He's not good enough to do that. Get rid of Royce and give me a guy who can score off the bench instead of just Clarkson. Because if we got the, I mean, yeah, I, I don't need a defensive guy. I need a score at this point. In this league, in this day and age, I need a score. And Royce isn't that guy. Get rid of that. And get, get rid of the money, too. Give me a guy who can score. We have plenty of those in the league available coming up in October. That are willing to come off the bench. Yeah. And you pay him a lot of money to come off the bench. No, you don't pay him a lot of money. Whatever Royce was getting, you can pay that guy to come off but the bench. only guys who are proven and you don't want to develop anybody... You just want to spend money in, in fifteen and, and sixteen. Go get guys. We didn't develop, anybody. but also pay we supermax contracts at work. to multiple players. We just ran into a seventy-three and nine Warriors basketball team who was just a machine. I'd hate to see how you balance your checkbook. I'm telling you, I'd hate to see you general manage a, a team. <laughs> you have seven Royce O'Neills, and, right. and you're underpaying the back-to-back defensive player of the year. We're way overdue. We've got to take a time out here <laughs> on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A Big Ten source said nothing has changed. Nothing. We have to get all the medical questions answered before we can even bring back a plan to the presidents for approval. And that is the key. That was Heather Dinich. Dude, I'm so tired of this. Uh, there was speculation that after President Trump inserted himself into the Big Ten debate, that uh, and even after the Big Ten commissioner seemed to appreciate the call and and some of his reactions following looked like maybe there's a way forward to get the Big Ten going this fall. Well, now they're saying, uh, hold, hold your horses. Nothing's changed. In fact, uh, some uh, Big Ten presidents are pretty adamant that uh, they are further entrenched in their opinions now because they don't want to be uh, a political pawn for President Donald Trump. Um, but... If they can figure something out, 
we already know that there are three schools that really want to get moving. Others, coaches and athletic directors also want to get moving. In fact, Ohio State practiced in pads today. Really? Oh, jeez. But if the Big Ten can figure something out to resume uh, their football season, and uh, Dan Patrick today saying October 10th is kind of the hard deadline and whether or not they could get something going this fall or not. Is there a path forward for the Mountain West? Could uh, they adopt something similar? I don't know. I, I think the Mountain West is kind of in the situation of like, look, we've already said we're going to cancel. I think some players are worried about playing like in November on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and or I mean, whenever they start, look to start, and and I don't get it as well. Even with the Big Ten, Eric, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and we talked about this before. Indiana, these places, like it's not like it's Hawaii in February. It's winter. It is dead cold, raw winter. It is snowing four to five inches, and sometimes you're getting you look on like national news, and it's twelve inches of snow in one night. And that's not an exaggeration. That's real. I don't think players really want to go out there and be like, hey, let's go hit each other in mid-February weather. Well, the benefit of the Big Ten is that they have three NFL stadiums that are enclosed in their footprint. But are but will those NFL teams allow them to compete in those stadiums with all COVID protocols being the way they are? Uh, I mean, they're not even allowing the big fans, question. for heaven's sakes. Now, if the Mountain West were to try to do something, what do they do with cold weather teams? Do you relocate to uh, and play your games in UNLV? Do you play in their indoor arena or in Sam Boyd? You got two football f- stadiums in Las Vegas. Do you hold double headers in both of those locations? I think at that point it would be just playing football just to play football. And I don't think it would really fulfill what you normally would want to do during a regular football season. Yeah, so my guess is the Mountain West is looking at, look, we're going to save money by not traveling, by not doing some of these things we would normally do. There's going to be a financial loss, but we're not going to make it any worse by trying to play these games. Yeah, it's, again, it's just, there's so much uncertainty. It's so unorganized. It's And you know what? The Big Ten looks like an absolute joke. They really do. They look really, I mean. Every week they look more dysfunctional. The Pac-12 is just sitting there laughing right now. You kind of wonder what the Pac-12's reaction would be. They're laughing. Well, I think the SEC, the ACC, those are the ones that are laughing the hardest. Hey, Nine three one five. I think it'd be more issues with the California schools and some of the regulations more than anything. Yeah, You're right. Point. It's a true point. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you back tomorrow. Hopefully, we're feeling better.